Welcome to In Broad Daylight with your host, Adam Todd Brown. On this episode, guess who's coming to space? Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to In Broad Daylight. I'm Adam Todd Brown. This is my solo podcast that I haven't done in a long time. My initial plan was to do three of these a week, and that fell through pretty fucking quickly because uh, this shit takes time, and time is a thing I don't have a lot of. But I wanted to start doing it again for a lot of reasons. For one thing, I said I would, and I don't want to be a goddamn liar. I mean, not in a way that uh, people can verify. You know, that's the point of lying is getting away with uh, the untrue things you say. And it's hard to, you know, say I'm going to do this podcast and then the podcast just never, ever happens. So, you know, we're back to doing it. I'm going to try and do it at least every other week, uh, ideally every week. But there's some other things I want to swap in from time to time. But I have plans for this show. Specifically, I we have we spend a lot of time talking about Trump on these podcasts. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not ever going to stop talking about Trump on the various podcasts, but perhaps to a slightly lesser degree. I get that I have as a hero of the resistance, <laughs> I have a responsibility to say the things about Trump that bother me, sometimes months ahead of anyone else. Uh, but I also have a responsibility to the listeners who pay money to hear all these podcasts and want to also be entertained. Making every podcast about Trump could be tiring no matter what side you're on. So what I'm going to do with this podcast going forward is make it a, a Trump podcast. Here's the thing. There's a lot of Trump news making the rounds every day. And it's, I feel like it's becoming too much for people to, to keep up with. Uh, for example, South Park. The writers behind South Park, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, have just announced that they have given up, at least for now, on satirizing Trump. And they say it's because it's harder now, because satire has become reality. And that's obviously different from there's too much to keep up with. But still, think about that. A show that's been around for two decades that has built its reputation on mocking people in power almost across the board, regardless of party lines. Like, if you go back, you'll find episodes where they mock Obama, you know, every fucking, not just every president, but every prominent politician at some point in the past has probably been made fun of on South Park. Uh, it's kind of what they do. And now they're basically because of Trump not doing that anymore. I mean, I'm sure they will to some extent, but they're just not, they're not making fun of the president anymore. 
This is a quote from Trey Parker. People say to us all the time, oh, you guys are getting all this good material, like we're happy about some of the stuff that's happening. But I don't know if that's true. I don't feel that way. It feels like they're going to be more difficult. We're having our head blown off like everybody else. And see, that's the thing. One of the complaints about the 20th season of South Park, which I admittedly have not watched. Uh, I'm actually not a huge South Park fan, but I get it. I respect it. I just don't watch it. You know, that's how Arrested Development went off the air. It happens. But when one of the complaints I've read about the 20th season of South Park, which was last season, was that there were so many storylines and ideas that uh, were either started that were started and then either abandoned or just kind of fizzled out. And I feel like that's probably because there's too much to try and follow. You can't with Trump, you can't latch on to this week's story and hope to incorporate it into some kind of long running coherent thing because that big story, will be overshadowed or forgotten like the next week, and then it'll just pop up again. Like how many times have we heard about Trump and Russia and then we briefly forget about it because he's doing something else completely awful for a couple of weeks, and then now here we are again, and Trump and Russia is huge news again. And, you know, it makes it hard to... I, I can see how a show like South Park would have trouble focusing just on Trump while making it a coherent thing that can last for an entire season. That campaign, everything about Trump, it's it's chaos. There's so much that's being thrown at people all at once that it's, you know, it's hard to follow. And science has proven that having too many choices leads to depression and unhappiness. There's a book about it. It's called The Paradox of Choice. And depression hinders the creative process, you know, and loss of interest in things that used to interest you. That's a common symptom with depression. And it kind of feels to me like what's happened here is the Donald Trump administration and the insane amount of crazy news that has been resulting from it have basically sent Trey Parker and Matt Stone into a depression that has fundamentally altered the way that show works. Uh, I hope I, I don't blame them. I hope I hope they snap out of it soon, as people love to say to people who are depressed, snap out of it. And I hope the show gets back to being the thing that it was. But for now, who knows what South Park's going to talk about. Maybe they'll go back to making fun of Scientology or something. Who knows? But I imagine that's becoming kind of a concern for a lot of comedy shows of that nature. Barring like SNL, of course. Because you have to have a conscience about profiting from Trump to feel conflicted about it. And I don't really think SNL does. I feel like... I feel like SNL legitimately sees Trump as a gravy train. And maybe not everyone at SNL, but I feel like there are a lot of people at SNL who are happy that Trump is in office. But another, you know, and then, and then there's, like I said, there's the, the fatigue thing. Soon we'll be back to doing 10 episodes a week. Right now we do seven, eight episodes a week. We can't talk about Trump on every single one uh, as much as I want to. So the, you know, my, my plan is to make this 
the podcast where I primarily talk about Trump. But even then, it's like, how do I avoid that thing where there's so much to choose from and I just can't decide what to talk about? So to get around that, what I'm going to do is make this uh, going forward, at least until that monster is out of office, I'm going to make this a podcast where I talk about the Trump stories that aren't, uh, where the headlines aren't sexy enough to make it into the general public's attention at large. You know, it's not necessarily that the media doesn't report these things. Obviously, I, I find articles about these things and I read them and I form opinions and I share them with you. That first uh, thing we talked about, about South Park's creators no longer giving uh, Trump any attention, that is on The Atlantic and uh, theatlantic.com. And you could go read that right now. But the thing is, these are stories that, because there's so much, like obviously Russia needs to be the primary story when it comes to Trump right now, because that's a fucking nightmare. But at the same time, even then, there's things that the media is not really covering with the same fervency that they might be, you know, Flynn resigning. And that's that there's a spy ship just kind of hanging out off the coast of Connecticut right now, a Russian spy ship, which if you read articles about it, that's sort of normal, but not really. Like it happens, but it doesn't happen a lot. And it's never a good thing. We're never really cool with it. And it's just uh, with everything else happening involving Russia, it feels like really bad news. But it's a thing that, you know, rightfully so, because there's so much other shit that people are concerned with. Not all of it can can register. So that's what this podcast is going to be. I'm going to talk about Trump news that's happened throughout the week that didn't get as much attention. You know, you'll find articles about it if you search, but it's just not the kind of thing your f- stuff your friends are probably tweeting about and posting on Facebook. Or maybe they are. I don't know your goddamn friends. Anyway, uh, for example, Trump just signed a just signed legislation that repeals a regulation that required energy companies to disclose their payments to foreign governments. It was a Securities and Exchange Commission rule written in 2010 under the Dodd-Frank financial reform law that was meant to fight corruption in oil-rich countries by mandating that companies on U.S. stock exchanges disclose the royalties and other payments that they make to foreign governments. And what's crazy about that, I mean, there's not, I mean, just kind of swish that around in your head. There's not a legitimate reason why we would want companies to be able to hide their interactions with foreign governments. No matter how ardent of a Trump supporter you are, there is no fucking argument you can make for why this makes sense, especially when you take it in context with the reason why they say it needs to be done. For one thing, they used the Congressional Review Act to pass it. And the Congressional Review Act has an alternate name, which is the Small Business Regulatory Enforcement Fairness Act of 1996. 
this is an act that was meant to protect small businesses. And the Trump administration is using it so companies on U.S. stock exchanges don't have to report the money they pay to foreign governments. You know, all those small businesses that are on the U.S. stock exchange, this is f- makes no fucking sense. And let's, uh, let's get to some quotes. This is Trump uh, regarding the signing of this legislation. This is a big signing, very important signing. We're bringing back jobs, big league. We're bringing them back at the plant level. We're bringing them back at the mine level. The energy jobs are coming back. A lot of people going back to work now. How? How the fuck? How is this equating to jobs coming back to fucking, to what, coal mines? Right now, because Trump signed this, there are just thousands of people flocking back to their jobs in the mining industry in the United States. I don't see the correlation between these two things. And nobody who speaks out on this gives a good explanation. He, after he signed, after Trump signed the bill and there was, there was that quote, uh, he turned it over to Representative Bill Heisinger of Michigan. And he said this, over 20 years, there's been 56,000 rules that have been put in place with very little legislative input or oversight, and it's time to change that. Okay, I still don't get how companies on the U.S. stock exchange masking their payments to foreign governments helps with that. I understand that it's one of the 56,000 rules, but I really don't get how an act meant to protect small businesses applies to what the Trump administration is saying here. By all means, if you're one of those Trump supporters who listens to this podcast, and I know you're out there because we're great. We're fucking great. Remember when Trump said he could shoot someone in the middle of Times Square and nobody would give a shit? If you're a Trump supporter listening to this podcast, I feel like we could do that to Trump and you would still listen to this podcast. Not that we, I mean, not that we would. That's insane. Uh, If you've ever seen the movie Assassination of a U.S. President, which is about George Bush getting assassinated, under no circumstances do you ever want your president assassinated. That is chaos beyond fucking description. And it's the last goddamn thing we need right now. But I'm just saying, if we did it, you motherfuckers would still listen because we're funny. So if you're out there listening, by all means, tell me in the comments, you know how to talk to me. Tell me how you think this helps protect small businesses. I I have another quote. See if this one uh, helps you at all. This is from Sean Spicer, of course. Misguided federal regulations such as the SEC Rule addressed by HJR 41 inflict real cost on the American people and put our businesses, especially small businesses, at a significant disadvantage. How, 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 how does this one rule affect small businesses? I mean, the rule, this is a quote from uh, Senator Sherrod Brown, Democrat from Ohio. Uh, The rule they're trying to repeal protects U.S. citizens and investors from having millions of their dollars vanished into the pockets of corrupt foreign oligarchs, which when I read the rule, that's kind of how it reads to me. Like it would be meant 
to protect American money from just vanishing into the hands of foreign regimes overseas, corrupt or otherwise. But what I don't see is how this would apply to small business in the fucking slightest. So by all means, someone explain it to me. Um, On the upside, the SEC is still required to write some sort of transparency law to replace this one. But under the Congressional Review Act, they cannot publish any rule that is substantially the same as this one they just overturned. So that is never coming back. Good times. If you want to read more about that, that is from an article on thehill.com, which is titled Trump Signs Repeal of Transparency Rule for Oil Companies. That went up on Valentine's Day. How romantic. Go read it. It's by Timothy Kama. Uh, So that's a thing that happened. And speaking of overturning Obama-era regulations that were probably for the best, this is from an article on the BBC called U.S. Senate Blocks Obama Gun Background Checks Rule. And this went up two hours ago as I'm recording this. So this went up today, which would be Wednesday, February 15th on the BBC. And uh, basically, Trump is set to approve. He hasn't signed this one yet. He had, He's already signed the Congressional Review Act to repeal transparency in foreign money transactions. I just made that up on the fly. I'm sure you could tell. But speaking of Obama-era regulations, he's Trump is set to approve a measure that it's already passed the House and the Senate, and it would undo a 2012 law that blocks people who receive government disability for mental illness from purchasing guns. And I, f- I kind of feel like that's what background checks are for, is to keep people who have mental illness from owning guns. Like that, we certainly don't need more mentally ill people owning guns in this country, I would think. This is a law that was passed in 2012 after the Sandy Hook shootings, which, if you think this is a good idea, you probably don't even think the Sandy Hook shootings happened. So I know me telling you that has no fucking bearing on your opinion. But still, uh, it would affect an estimated 75,000 people. I'm, I'm taking it that that's the number of people with mental illness receiving disability benefits right now. And Republicans, uh, this is so precious, argued that the the bill stigmatizes the disabled because that's exactly the kind of shit Republicans care about, right? Like they they are all about equal rights and not stigmatizing someone for being different than you. That is, that's been the Republicans game forever. We know that. So that's obviously what this bill is about, which no, that's not what this bill is about. Um, But it doesn't matter because it, it will be, That'll be overturned soon also. What a busy week. Jesus, I've already been going 20 minutes and there's still another thing. Uh, This was on the Washington Post. This also went up today, February 15th. And the headline, uh, it's written by Joel Achenbach. NASA heating Trump may add astronauts to a test flight moon mission. Here's, Here's the problem. During the transition of power, when Trump took office, apparently he met with a historian named Douglas Brinkley. And what they talked about was JFK's vow during his 19, uh, in 61, he made that vow that by the end of the decade, 
we would put a man on the moon. And they always cut that interview. Like his, I, I feel like his line right after that, where he said this and the other things, it always sounds weird to me. Go back and, but it's fine. JFK was a decent president. But they talked about that vow and apparently what kind of impact it had on the country. And now Trump's got it in his head that he wants to send a man back to the moon at the very least during his first term. And that's not good. Like, have we seen NASA's recent track record? I mean, just over the past couple decades, what about NASA makes you feel like we want to start rushing to get people back into space? Take your fucking time so things don't explode with lives on board, I would say. But like I said, apparently this got in Trump's head, and now he has it in his mind that we're going to put a man in space before the end of his first term. And they say the intent is to send a, send a signal to China uh, so they know that we intend to retain our dominance in space, which I, I guess I didn't know we had dominance in space. I didn't know anyone had dominance in space yet, but I guess we do. And even if that's the real reason, who fucking cares? I don't give a shit about dominance in space. We're not, I, we don't live in space. But here's where it gets really problematic. NASA already has plans to launch a new rocket. It's uh, a jumbo rocket called, called the Space Launch System, SLS, which, way to be creative with that name. And they're planning to launch it with an Orion capsule on top. An Orion capsule is what would take people to space with the rocket. And they're planning to test launch that in 2018. But that Orion capsule is supposed to be empty because it's just a test flight. It's so much of a test flight that the rocket and the capsule haven't even been built yet. So that's how far along NASA is in the planning for this. And the idea was that they would do this test launch in 2018, and then several years after that, after they've had to work through all the bugs and kinks and do whatever they can to make sure no one dies, then they were going to test it again with people you know, a manned mission into orbit. But now, because Trump had this fucking boy meets world meeting with a historian during his transition into the White House, he's putting pressure on NASA to get a man, not just in orbit around the moon, but back on the moon within his first term. Last week, NASA's acting administrator, Robert Lightfoot, sent a letter out to employees. You can read the entire letter on that Washington Post article. Uh, I won't read the whole thing here. It's lengthy as shit. But he sent a letter to employees saying that he'd instructed top NASA official for human spaceflight Associate Administrator William Gerstenmeyer to explore the feasibility of adding astronauts to the first SLS test flight. Do you know how dangerous a job test pilot is? And that's just when you're flying shit that stays within Earth's atmosphere. Test pilot, it's a really well-paying job because it's a job that could kill you at any fucking time. It is perilous as shit to be the first person flying a new spacecraft of any sort. Aircraft, spacecraft of any sort. And now Trump, just because he wants to do it, seemingly, I mean, there's obviously more to it, um... Is, is now pushing NASA to get people in space. This is a quote from Robert Lightfoot's letter that he sent to NASA employees. 
I know the challenges associated with such a proposition, like reviewing the technical feasibility, additional resources needed, and clearly the extra work would require a different launch date. That said, I also want to hear about the opportunities it could present to accelerate the effort of the first crewed flight and what it would take to accomplish that first step of pushing humans farther into space. That's a problem, I think. I feel like we're, we're just setting ourselves up for another Challenger disaster. But again, this is, this is, the, this is the administration we've been dealt. Uh, this is a quote from Scott Pace, head of the Space Policy Institute at George Washington University. There is strong interest in finding significant near-term accomplishments that can be done in the first term. And like from that earlier, what I said earlier, they blame it on China. They say that they want to be, you know, a step ahead of China. You'll find quotes where people say, if we don't do this, China will first, which again, who fucking cares? Go orbit around the moon. I don't give a shit. But they blame it on China and the need to outpace them in space exploration. But like anything else, they're really just pushing to maximize money making opportunities for people who already have all the fucking money in the world. Like somehow, tell me if this makes, again, Trump supporters, tell me where this makes sense. Newt Gingrich has somehow become one of Trump's top advisors on space-related matters. Has, did I miss the part in the 90s where Newt Gingrich went to fucking space? What does Newt Gingrich have to do with space? Has he worked for NASA? Can he fucking operate a Google Chromecast? Like, what are his qualifications that make him the space guy in the Trump administration? Newt Gingrich, space guy, is now advising Trump on all matters pertaining to space. And in an email to the Washington Post, which is this is from that same article, he said NASA has become an agency that avoids risk and said they should leverage the enthusiasm and money of the many billionaires interested in commercializing space. This is a quote. The key is to liberate space from government monopoly and maximize the inventive entrepreneurial spirit of the Wright brothers, Edison, Ford, and other classic Americans. Done properly, we can be on the moon in President Trump's first term and orbiting Mars by the end of his second term. Holy shit. See, here's the thing. I used to do a joke. Uh, I still do on stage sometimes about how a couple years back there was this big push where people were wanting to go to Mars. There was like that that space colony program that like 140,000 people signed up with the understanding that uh, they wouldn't be coming back. They would just be going to kind of colon be the first people to colonize Mars. I did a video about it for some website. It was a terrifying thing. It had all these creepy ass rules written in. And my problem, a thing I've brought up on stage about that is do you really want to be the first people to get to Mars? You want to be first so a fleet of fucking intergalactic Trumps can swoop in 10 years later and just gentrify the whole place? You know, you're like, hey, hey, we were here first. And they're like, whatever, space Indians, you know what this is. Get out of here. Like, that's what's going to happen. That's what they're fucking planning. It's, it's Newt Gingrich's idea, not mine. Maybe Newt Gingrich heard me say it on stage. I don't know. But whatever the case, uh, that's just another thing that Trump is up to this week that we don't have enough time to talk about because there's so many other things to talk about. But uh, space is one of them. 
Did you know that? Did you know Newt Gingrich and Trump are trying to go to Mars? Of course not. Add that to your list of worries about the world we live in right now. Anyway, this was longer than I expected it to be. Thank you for, for listening. We will, I will, we, I'll, I'll try to do these every week. Um, they might alternate with the outtakes shows sometimes, depending on my schedule. But I'll try to do these every week. We'll be back to doing them on Tuesday. We just put Pretty Scary up on Tuesday this week because it was Valentine's Day. And we talked about a Valentine's Day-related murder. You should go listen to that if you haven't. And go listen to all of our other podcasts. If you're listening to this for free, maybe go sign up at connectpal.com slash unpopularopinion. $4.99 a month. You get so much good stuff. You have no idea. It's just a plethora of entertaining shows hosted by entertaining people. We will keep you in podcast-related entertainment for your entire work week or like three hours a day of it. But honestly, you should spend a good five hours of your day focusing. Just let us have those other three hours. We'll take care of you for cheap. Uh, And also, you know, follow us. Oh, leave us reviews and uh, ratings on iTunes. If, you, if you're so inclined, that would be nice. All of our shows, most of our shows are available on iTunes now. Go to unpops.com slash shows for more details about that. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Adam Todd Brown and on Instagram at Adam Todd Brown and everywhere else at Adam Todd Brown. And uh, I think that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody. We love you.